exploring the faith, life, and sport of Christians in sport. This is FLS. Here's your host, Brea Burrell. Hello and welcome to this episode of FLS, where we hear about the faith, life, and sport of past and present Christians in sport. Shortly, chatting to the footy player who reached the heights in both rugby league and rugby union, and how for him becoming a Christian started on an overseas footy trip with a Christian teammate. We welcome to FLS to Brad Thorne. Thanks for having me. Pleased to be on board. Now, Brad, lots to chat with you about today. I'm unsure actually where to actually start because you've ticked a lot of boxes in the world of both rugby league and rugby union. Firstly, though, can you tell us a bit more, I suppose, for us to, to get to know you? Who makes up the, uh, the Thorne household? Well, I've got... Um, my wife, uh, who's my best friend, uh, Marianne. Um, we've been married now for um, 20 years now. It's gone pretty quick. Uh, and we have four children, three sons and a daughter. My oldest son's uh, turning 20 years of age. We had three three of our boys we had under the age of three. So it was hectic. <laughs> <laughs> it's been hectic. Um and then um, a couple of years later, we had our daughter. And, um, yeah, it's it can get pretty rowdy at the dinner table. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's great, though, yeah. Really good relationship with the kids. And, um, yeah, it's good. Now, a bit more about, as well, your upbringing. You were born in New Zealand, but then you moved to Australia at a young age. When was that and, and how did that all come about? Um, I was born in uh, Mosgiel, which um, is just a little satellite town next to a place called Dunedin. People know the South Island, New Zealand. Um, and um, we moved, when I was five years old, we moved uh, up to Central Otago. People from Australia might have, they'll know Queenstown. It's sort of like the Gold Coast of New Zealand. It's like where the tourists come to ski and um from around the world and stuff. Uh, I lived for about 40 minutes from there, so I lived up in the mountain there. Um, and uh, we lived on a hobby farm. Uh, and, yeah, I guess just a lot of New Zealanders forever have come across to Australia. So, like, people maybe coming from the country into the city to looking for opportunity for, for you know, around work and stuff, probably similar sort of picture with New Zealanders, you know, um, you know, um, families coming over, you know, opportunities and, and whatnot. So um, we came over in 1982. We had a, about a seven-month uh, working sort of uh, trip where mum and dad worked. We went to school. And um, and then we went back to New Zealand for a year and I came back. We moved over in uh, 1984 to, to, to live here and... Um, um yeah it's it's uh it's been a you know awesome to come over to australia to grow up here or all, all my i don't have any relations apart from my obviously my wife's side of the family but my my mother uh, is still in australia but yeah all my rallies are back in new zealand and um you know there's a strong pull there because one day down you know I, I actually went as you probably know i went back as you know, I went back and uh, pursued a sort of dream back in New Zealand. So growing up, sort of half Aussie, half Kiwi. We want to hear shortly 
about obviously that journey back to New Zealand uh, to play sport. But when did and I believe what was it rugby league first? When did when did you first get into sport there? So in New Zealand, um, you know, if you're born in New Zealand, uh, particularly before girls started to play rugby and that. But if you're born, you're a male born in New Zealand, you play rugby. That's it. That's what we do. And that's what we've done for 120 odd years. And you want to be an all black. And so, yeah, I played a couple of years of rugby in a country town and uh, we moved to Australia. But uh, just while we're getting sort of, um, I guess, set up as a family, you know, with work and stuff on the dad, for the first couple of years, dad said, um, you know, there's no sport, just play club, uh, school sport. And I actually played at AFL, which I really uh, it was crazy. I didn't understand the game. It was, you know, but uh, actually uh, grew to love it and really enjoyed it. But yeah, after a couple of years, mum and dad got sort of, you know, um, I guess we got to a space where they felt comfortable. They could get us around on weekends and that. They they said, you can go and play um, a sport, which one you want to play. And because I went to a state school here, um, um, all my mates played rugby league. And uh, so I wanted to do what my mates did, and I went and played rugby league, which was a different game. And uh, in New Zealand, everyone plays it. Lawyers, you know, it could be, um, you know, a labourer, could be, um, you know, a chippy. Just everyone plays rugby. But sort of in Australia, there's more of a, uh, more of a private school, or, mm. you know, rugby and leagues, um, you know, um, yeah, it's it's just different state schools. So, so yeah, that's why I played league. And uh, as the years went by, uh, I was a big kid, you know, uh, capable sort of lad. And um, um, you know, that's how it ended up. I was a league player, and um, um, so yeah. You you made your debut for the Broncos in in '94. But how did the, you sort of move into their system, and then obviously making that first grade debut uh, back in the '90s? It's probably an interesting uh, question. Probably the, before that was just um, in my teenage years. Uh, I was I was a I was like six foot when I was thirteen. I was always a big kid. I was athletic, whatever. But I wasn't making any rep teams or any, anything. And um, got to a point when I was about sixteen, where Dad, he's a real motivator. Um, he really um, wanted us to to do the best we could. Me and my brother and. Um, he sort of had enough of me. I, I, I had talent, but um, I wouldn't front when it came to uh, rep footy or I come in and out of games. And um, so, yeah, he we had a state forest near our house and uh, just over, over the road from our house. And he said he wanted me to do a run in the state forest where I had to sprint the hills and um, basically go to a dark place over there. And... Um, he said if I if I didn't um, do that, he was he'd had enough to drive me around and not see me, you know, show up. It wasn't going to give me lifts anymore. And, <laughs> um, so that was a game changer. I went over, I did that the run for the first time, and um, um, I'd never really stuck. I was a pretty of a lazy kid, you know. I never really stuck to anything, and I did the run, and I stopped halfway. And went, I remember st- stopping and saying, "Gee, this feels good. You know, this is awesome." And I remember thinking, "Oh." But I don't stick to stuff, so you know I'll probably do this one more time, and then I won't do it. You know, it's, you know. But I just think it was a big moment in my life. I think, um, uh, and 
I did go back and I went back again and again and again and I would, uh, I pushed myself and that was a game changer. That's what took me to being, um, there's a lot of kids with talent, but something changed in me that day. I think, I think the Lord was at work in me that, you know, he's always at work in us, but mm. that, that was the time to the direction I was going. Um, so from that, I started making, I've never, I started making the rep teams and stuff. And uh, by my last year of high school, I had teams uh, approaching me to go to Sydney. And the one that was the closest, the one that was I was looking at going to was the Canterbury Bulldogs, um, uh, which I was pretty happy with. They're a tough footy team. I want to play tough footy, uh, sort of my style. And they had a, a guy called Bullfrog. Uh, I don't know if you heard of him more. He's the famous guy yeah. that uh, tracked players. So it was Steve Price and me were going to go there. And I thought that's where I'm going. And then um, I went to school. I come home one day and... Um, Dad's gone. Oh, we've got a meeting in a week's time with uh, Wayne, Be- Wayne Bennett. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And I'm going, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and he said, oh, I gave them a call. The Broncos are called today. And because um, we are like probably five or six uh, you know, teams trying to get me to be involved, but hadn't heard from the Broncos. And um, uh, yeah, he, he rang them up and he said, I rang up and just went to the front, you know, service desk. I will put you through to the rugby department, the rugby league, you know, people. The rugby league guys uh, answer the phone. Dad says, oh, you know, I've got a boy who can play. And the guy's like, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you imagine having phone calls like that? You know? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, Tell me what your kid's name. And he said, it's Brad Thorne. My son's name's Brad Thorne. I said, oh, actually, we uh, are aware of Brad and, um, yeah, we're interested. So that's how that, it was actually um, Dad calling the Broncos, otherwise Oz Canterbury Bulldogs. Um, and I met Wayne a week later. He offered half as much as the Bulldogs and we stayed. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is really cool, mate, because um, I wanted to play for the Broncos. I saw opportunity there. I was sort of like a they, you know, they, this is uh, uh, 1992, so they won 92, 93 back to back. And, um, um, you know, they didn't really have bigger forwards. I don't know if you remember that team back then, they were, uh, Lazo was sort of like a, a bigger guy. Yeah. But, um, if you remember the t- Broncos in the late 90s, we were big pack. Mm. You know, Petro, myself, um, Gordy, do you know what I mean? So it was a different style. Um but yeah, so I uh, um, I stayed in Brisbane, um, and I actually spent a year playing uh, in the Brisbane competition for West uh, with Adrian Lamb at halfback, and um, we had uh, different who else, Tony Curry in the centres, whatever. Um, we won a title that year. That was really cool. And I was uh, I played front row. I moved from the centres and locked to front row. Which was tough because they introduced the ten meter rule. It was nineteen ninety three, and yeah, I really struggled because as a bigger guy, I really battled with the fitness. You know, I was just a young guy. But yeah, the following year, um, I was with the Broncos, and uh, in nineteen ninety four, and um, I sort of skipped the uh, under twenty ones because I've been playing um, for West with men for, mm. as an. Old and it really battle hardened me and 
uh, it was really good for me. Um, and then, uh, so I mainly played reserve grade for the Broncos, but I played seven games of first grade for the Broncos, and uh, it was incredible. I sat on the bench probably about eight or nine times, and then finally get, it was against the Bulldogs, actually, my, my first game. And um, you used to play your game, and then you'd sit on the bench. They'd pick guys to sit on the bench, and there was a, a few injuries, and on I went. And, uh, yeah, it was just an awesome feeling, just a great memory. Just all my uh, blood, body got hot, and uh, I just went out and uh, – and, and ripped in and enjoyed it. Now, Wayne Bennett, um, we hear a lot of stories about him as a coach. You said you had that meeting with Wayne and then from your time at the Broncos playing under him. I've heard stories of Wayne being more like a, a father figure. Um, can you share a bit about, I suppose, your time under him as, as having him as a coach? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I was very close. My father was probably big, one of the biggest impacts in my life. And the good thing I didn't mention was um, staying in Brisbane. My my father actually passed away when I was nineteen. Mm. So I gone down to the Bulldogs, uh, you know, after high school. You know, I would have had two. It was pretty important that you know I consider those years pretty important being around my dad. And, um, but yeah, Wayne. Uh, yeah, for different players, he you know he's a, obviously a you know great coach, isn't he? And, um, you know, he's pretty solid disciplinarian, you know, and he, he's at the, worked at the police academy and, um, you know, he, uh, I was smart, you know, in meetings, I'd just have my hat low on my, <laughs> my hat, low on my head. I'd just be sitting just quietly in my little spot there and, um, uh, trying not to seek too much attention from Wayne, but, uh, yeah, got some good serves in the video rooms and, um, um, yeah, he, he had lots of words of wisdom, um, uh, the way he coached. Uh, so, yeah. Now, moving then, obviously, you made your debut in 94 for the Broncos, but then in 95, the Rugby League world got literally turned upside down with the whole Super League war. And uh, as, as for you, part of the Broncos were one of the teams that went wholly across to, to the new league. And I've heard from other players like Brad McKay in a similar interview I had with him a few years back that it was a lot of crazy stuff going on. I suppose even for you, you've just come into rugby league. Can you share a bit about actually what went on uh, during that time? The the guys who were at the top of the game at that time were the money was just crazy. So Mm -hmm. the money was a certain level and then you had um, ARL and Super League Mm -hmm. pack this is Murdoch, and um, um, it was just just crazy. So yeah, I remember um, my first contract. I think I signed for three thousand nine hundred dollars. I think it was like seventy five bucks a week. You know, out of high school, went up to I think five thousand two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I was pumped because I, I remember saying to my dad, he brought he brought home my first sort of like pay thing or something. And just I said, they're actually going to pay me. I can't believe they're going to pay me to do something I love doing, you know. But, yeah, and then, um, as I said, you know, by 19, I was playing first grade. I played seven games that year. So my, my money my contract went up to about 40K, which was pretty good, you mm. know. That's probably doing pretty – in my street where I grew up, you know, I'm probably matching anyone in the street, you know, back then. You think about it, early 90s. And, um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, boom, 
you know. Um, we all go to a because uh, they move quick, you know. With the, you know, do you do ARL? Do you do Super League? For guys like me and uh, the young guys, you know, Wendells and all these guys, um, and Shane Webkeys and all that, we just, our team goes, that we just want to play footy, you know, mm. and um, we're just young guys. If I was in the ARL team, I would have been playing ARL. If I was, you know, I was in Broncos, they did Super League, I did Super League. So, you know, but yeah, I just remember we went to a house and, um, um, they had us, the whole team, at this house, and uh, it might have been John Rebo's house. And um, the guys are walking into a room, walking out with smiles on their faces, and <laughs> walking into a room, and you know, there's a check in front of me for 25,000. Just remember, I'm on 40,000, you know, but um, you know, I'm offered around 150,000. I'm wow. like 20 years old, you know, for a couple of years, so. I'm, uh, I'm sitting there, um, it's just crazy, you know. Um, it, it's, it was an interesting um, experience. And uh, and then I think we weren't allowed to play for maybe a week or two. It might have been the following season. Um, that's when I, I actually got a couple of games of rugby in with my brother. I asked Wayne because I'd done this preseason. And I said, me and Wendell went down and played. You probably didn't know that. Um, that's why Wendell got niched for for rugby um, but because uh, um, I always kept an eye on rugby even though it's playing league and part of it I was watching the All Blacks all this sort of stuff so got a couple of games in but yeah then the Super League uh, came along in 97 and um, the comp was broken up one night and uh, you know it was it was um, crazy sort of experience yeah we had that overseas games as well if you remember yeah uh, and then it was good when the comps came back together because we won in 97 we beat the Cronulla in front of like 60,000 uh in Brisbane um and if you remember it was a good game with the cheat uh with uh Newcastle and Manly yeah that good but you know you want to be the you, you want to be um the best of the everyone yeah you know what I mean so yeah, ninety nine eight was good because we came back and as a team we won that. But the first year they came back together, so that was cool to be a part of. And we want to talk more about your your footy career and then into the early two thousands, making that move back across to to New Zealand to play rugby union. But here on the podcast, we want to uh, hear from our guests about their their Christian faith. And for you, um, Brad came through a fellow, I suppose, coming to your faith came through. Um, the, the help of a fellow footy teammate. Yeah, yeah, Justin Stevens had an uh, impact on me playing with him um, in the Australian side and probably the background. I said we came from New Zealand, but we went to church. We went to Presbyterian Church in New Zealand. And I went to Sunday school as a kid up towards nine and loved Jesus, loved um, going to Sunday school. And um, just, you know, my dad was uh, helped run the youth group. But, um, you know, just little, I remember saying prayers of mum, you know, um, at, at the end of the bed, you know, before you go to sleep and stuff. And uh, we came to Australia and um, um, unfortunately we went along to a church. We didn't really feel comfortable there, you know, and, um, and we just stopped going. And uh, that's a big change up if you think about it, you know. Um, uh, and, yeah, there's about... 
from the age of nine until I was about 15. I'd go to, maybe go to church at um, um, well, Easter or Christmas Day, you know, that sort of family. And then uh, luckily um, some people moved down the road from our house and uh, my parents became friendly with them. They went back, got back to church. My brother decided in his teenage years he's an atheist and um, it was fortunate he had a Christian who was a friend of his in his class and asked him to challenge him to come along to church and um, three, four weeks later my brother got you know, become a Christian yeah. Christian and there was me and um, and all this footy and stuff was uh, taking off and uh, you know I you know uh, God was I believed in God and, and Jesus and, and and stuff but um I hadn't sort of submitted my life to the Lord, you know, and surrendered and um yeah, I got pretty uh loose, you know, like I said, by nineteen I was playing first grade, twenty one I was playing Origin, twenty two playing for Australia and I was on a million dollar contract, you think about that back in the nineties. Three years it was a million dollar contract uh I was like 22 had a house had a car with my name on it in the driveway you know and plenty of ego and um and just yeah the life I was living you know, I was boozing and um yeah you know, I was womanizing and and um I was doing all this stuff the, the more stuff I had I just wanted more stuff I didn't really feel uh the thing that was uh, interesting for me is I had this dream of being a professional footy player. I remember telling my family when I went back to New Zealand as like a 13 year old, I want to be a professional footy player. And um, I was supposed to feel happy and good and with all this stuff, and I've succeeded. And I was feeling empty and I was feeling uh, I lacked fulfillment, I lacked purpose, and, um, and there was a sadness, you know. Uh, and I just couldn't work, you know, it's a, for me, it was crazy. How can I have all these things, you know? And um, and like I said, um, and I knew I'd fallen a long way with how I was living, you know, compared to how I've been raised. And and those, uh, and luckily, because of those earlier years in New Zealand and that, and I guess people around me, but I started to think about God again. And um, when I played, made the Australian side, Jason Stevens was my front row partner. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a Christian, and he really stood out from uh, uh, the team, just how he lived his life. It was a little bit different, you know. We are on tour, and, you know, it could get pretty, uh, you know, could get pretty loose on the tours, you know. We train hard, play hard, party hard, you know, and he, uh, yeah, he had a real integrity around how he lived, and, um, and he had a, what I could see, a real good way about him, that real peace that, that uh you know, I could I could sense and um, we talked it we roomed together we, were, we played against each other but we became good friends and the key thing I said to him was you know I, I like Christians they're, they're nice people maybe when I'm an old person one day you see old people they just seem to be nice you know they're old, you know, look at that nice old guy you know maybe then I'll be a Christian but right now I'm a loose cannon and uh, um, you know I can't I don't want to be a hypocrite you know, and um, um, so he said, I said, when I change, then I'll be a Christian. And he said, it's when 
it's when Jesus changes you, mate. It's not you changing. It's, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, God loved us, you know, so much. He gave a son uh, who died on the cross, you know, you know for, for our sins. And, um, um, and the hope that when he rose again as well, for, you know, but uh, you need to get to know Jesus. You need to, uh, you know, ask Jesus into your life and, and he can change you. And um, for me, I, th- I thought, oh, yeah, okay. I went back. Uh, uh, it was after a tour. I went back for a couple of months. I probably got even looser. <laughs> and um, and I was trying to change, but I sort of had my ways about me. And one morning I got up and uh, I just went, I'm not changing. Uh, and I, I want to, but I can't. And um, I'm going to do what Jason talked about. So I got down on my knees and in my house, on my own, I wasn't at church or anything. But, uh, and I said, uh, quite funny, I said, Jesus, if you're there, I don't know if you're there or not, but if you're there, uh, please forgive me for my sins. Um, done some really bad stuff, done some stuff that's not so bad, but, you know, please forgive me for uh, my sins. Please take them from me. And, and here's the keys, like the car keys, you know. It complete, come into my life. Uh, please come into my life. I submit my life to you. Surrender my life. Um, come into my life and and you know um, turn my yeah turn this around. You know. So um, once I um, said that prayer, I didn't really talk to anyone about it because I just didn't want to be a guy who said, "Hey, I'm a Christian now." And then two weeks later, I'm you know. <laughs> Making a mess of myself somewhere, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, um, but probably there was there was change uh, that happened um, uh, inside me. Mm. Uh, the way I thought, probably the biggest thing was uh, that uh, up until then it was all about me, all about me. People were way down the line, second. Then God was wasn't really thought about too much. That turned around massively from that time that I, God started to become very important in my life. You know, you know what, how I was in my life, you know, whatever. Um, uh, others became important and then and then sort of myself. So that probably doesn't sound like much, but that's a big turnaround when all you've been about is you. Mm. I mean, and, uh, um, but, yeah, I had a roommate. I used to have a roommate with Shane Rimke for about five years and I remember him saying, you know, you know, the guys some of the guys are asking about me and, you know, what's going on with Thorny and that really confirmed for me that, you know, um, you know, things have changed and um yeah, that's that's where I got to a space where I was around uh it was twenty three and um uh I went forward from there and uh it wasn't the most popular thing. You know, in that era, that time, mm. uh, yeah, it was pretty lonely <laughs> to be a Christian in the Broncos. Um, and but over time, um, I definitely got some, you know, uh, some. Like I said, it wasn't popular. I probably got some uh, some solid banter along the way, you know. Um, but over time, I think it was, you know, uh, respect because I. Um, I guess 
my life changed and, um, uh, you know, your actions speak, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. then you're respected. So it was it was genuine. I cared about the team, played my heart out and, uh, and the different things that uh, I think, you know, the Lord works in your life, uh, I think uh, hopefully had an impact. No, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. I was going to ask you, I suppose, if you were able to be open about your faith with your teammates, say, in the changing room, but you sort of you, you touched on that a little bit there. Yeah, well, you know, um, I think in this world, you know, if you're, if you're living across, um, how would I say, living for, through, you know, just Jesus as your Lord, you, things are going to stand out a, a little bit, you mm. know. Um, I was never, uh, I wasn't a car salesman, I wasn't in people's faces, um, uh, but, you know, your actions um, stand out and there's mm. different times. You know, I wasn't doing some of the stuff I've been doing. Yeah, know? yeah. That, that gets noticed, mm. you know. Yeah, you know, sometimes that, you know, it probably wasn't that favorably noticed too, you know, because uh, it just wasn't, it's probably a lot, Faith is a lot uh, easier now to imagine. You know, you have a lot of Polynesian players and uh, mm. have faith. There was a different sort of era there. And do you know what, mate? Uh, I, I was actually pleased that it was that way because um, I think if it just been fluffy, I could have. You know, there was nothing. There was no heat around it. Maybe I would have been lukewarm or. And because there was a bit of heat around it, uh, I had to make a decision, you know, if, am I going to, you know, I just want to be good with the guys, but, you know, um, it's it's not so much that way, you know, because, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, being Christian wasn't rated too yeah. highly. Mm. And uh, so, you know, am I going to, um, I've said this prayer. I've asked the Lord into my life, and yeah, and the Lord is. Uh, I believe He's died for my sins. I believe that I have purpose in Him. I believe that He loved. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm precious and loved by Him, and and um, so yeah, this is the path I'm going to walk um, in the Lord's strength, and um, and that that was good because. Um, like I said, if it had just been easy, maybe I would have just been floating along, but made me uh, make a bit of a, a stand. Nothing compared to people getting persecuted or whatever. Yeah. But I guess for a guy that just, like I said, in his workplace, just want to feel comfortable, you know, maybe uh, you know, there's some times that you sort of uh, uh, you have, so yeah. Because I know sort of, I suppose, around that time, and you touched on on Jason, like he was very open about with his faith. So there was, you know, a lot of talk and I suppose a focus on, on what he was doing. As you said, nowadays with that sort of Polynesian influence into, into rugby league, we're seeing players, you know, at post-game, you know, for, for both teams come together and, and say a prayer on the field. So there's, I suppose, in the last 20 or so years, a, a shift from how it was to how things are now. I went to the Highlanders when I was like 30, 38 years old and um, the team, pretty much all Polynesian guys, uh, but there might have been about eight guys and um, we 
they wanted to say a prayer before the game. And um, then we had a, like a chaplain to the team and we'd have a little Bible study during the week. And and uh, we got down, we get down on a knee and we say a prayer before the game and they got me to say it. And I remember just thinking, you know, I'd just come back to the Highlanders just because I actually wanted to finally play for, for where I actually was born, where mm. I came from. Because my dad played for Otago as a junior and whatever. But just I remember thinking for this alone, um, it was worth coming to be able to say a prayer with my teammates because it certainly wasn't going to happen at the Broncos <laughs> all those years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it just felt so good to be able to acknowledge the Lord and, um, you know, and with you know, some brothers in Christ and uh, in different parts of their journey, wherever, you know, wherever they are. But uh, to me, it was a privilege absolute privilege and uh, to see people you know uh, with their faith now it's one wonderful to see but yeah it was a little bit different back then um you know and like i said that's your road and uh and gee it's not it's laughable compared to what people around the world are uh you know uh um living around so yeah well, it's halftime on the FLS podcast, and what we love to do here is to stop down and ask our guests a whole bunch of fun, quick questions. My special guest today is former rugby league and rugby union player Brad Thorne. Okay, Brad, here's your first question. Who was your toughest opponent and then also the one that you didn't fancy facing? Probably both. Paul Harrigan, Chief. Okay. You, 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 you can bash you. Bash you with his hands or, or with his shoulder. <laughs> uh, your favourite ground to play at? <sighs> um, league, Suncorp, Union, uh, probably uh, Eden Park. Okay. Uh, when you're on tour, who was the messiest roommate you had? If you can name yeah. them. I'm going to throw you, I'll throw Jason Stevens in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might have mentioned this uh, in the early part of the interview, but a sport other than league and union that you're good at? Yeah, I played AFL. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I enjoyed that, yeah. Um, I'm coming over for dinner at your place. What are you cooking? Uh, steak, mashed potato. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll be there. Yeah, mushroom sauce, yeah. <laughs> Sounds, sounds, steak, yeah. three, steak and three veg. Sounds good. Sounds nice. Uh, your favourite movie? Uh, oh, I love Star Wars when I was a kid. Mm. So Star Wars, one okay. of the three, you know. <laughs> I love Darth Vader. Yeah, okay. Now, over your career, you, you wore a lot of different uh, jerseys, whether it be in league or union. Did you have a favourite one or maybe a favourite design of jersey that you liked uh, wearing? I love the Bronco uh, original one that I wore, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, I like the Crusader jersey. We had like a sword down the front. There's different designs. Cut the all black jersey is pretty good. Mm. Uh, the most famous sports person you've met? Um, I was pretty impressed when I met Steve War. Mm. That was cool. Um, yeah, I met the Queen. Oh. Uh, did, she, did she play croquet? <laughs> so I think, 
Sportswoman. Tell us, tell us briefly, was that obviously uh, on an All Blacks tour? Yeah, yeah. We got told how to talk to her, which was, had to say, uh, mum. It's not like ma'am, it's mum. So, yeah, she was tiny and I'm quite tall. So it was, yeah, I bent down and said, hello, mum. Uh, you know, uh, oh, ma'am. <laughs> it, uh, it, was, it was good chat. Good chat. Nice, um, nice, nice lady. At the footy, when you're going to have something to eat, is it a pie or a hot dog? Ooh, uh, I'll go pie. Mm -hmm. uh, your best subject at school? Best subject at school? Uh, maybe art. Mm -hmm. I used to like writing stories too. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe art. Art. And finally, um, the best, the, the, the play you really enjoyed playing with? Uh, throughout your career, whether it be league or union? Oh, so many. Play <laughs> uh, with. I'll say uh, Petra. Well, thanks for that, Brad. It's time now to get back out on the field for the second half of today's chats. Uh, my special guest here on the FLS podcast is former rugby union and rugby league player Brad Thorne. So, Brad, you, you, you talked about obviously then. You talked on going back and, and playing rugby union in New Zealand uh, for the Broncos. You win that 2000 premiership. Uh, I think I've, you, you beat the Sydney Roosters. Then the early 2000s, you make the jump, uh, I suppose, for you back into rugby union. How did that all come about? And then that led you on the path uh, several years later to, to play for the All Blacks and win a World Cup. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I always... Uh... When I was a kid, you know, I used to dream. I was a dreamer, you know. Um, and I used to sit down the side of my house with my dog. You know, I've always loved, you know, dogs. And I used to, used to just dream big, you know. And But uh, the way it played out, even though I couldn't have dreamed <laughs> it all played out, I have won a World Cup and all this sort of stuff. So. But, yeah, when Dad, um, this brings it back to Dad. I said he was a very big influence in my life and, um and my mum as well. She loved, loved my mum as well. Um, but when Dad was alive, it was like uh, around 1992, 93, there was word around rugby going professional. Mm. Just remember it was amateur. So you couldn't do what I did. It, it didn't exist um, because you couldn't go from a professional to amateur. Um, um, but then, yeah, Dad, Dad, I remember Dad saying, because we'd be watching Test Match, watching the All Blacks and World Cups and all this sort of stuff. And my whole life ago to Test Matches at Ballymore when I was, a, you know, 13 or whatever. And um, he said, if the game goes professional, maybe, you know, maybe if you do some stuff with your league, maybe you can go back and, and you know, uh, have a crack. And... Um, yeah, so that was, and I thought about that, and I thought, yeah. And then um, the game did go professional. It was Super Rugby in 96, I think, whatever. And um, I think for me, being at the Broncos, like, you know, you said that 2000 grand final. So by the, you know, age of 25, I'd got to, you know, be part of Origin. I've got to play for Australia, and we'd won, we'd won three grand finals, you know, 97, 98, 2000. So... Um, and I had seven years there, so a fair bit had been um, happened there. Like you know, you're pretty happy with that in your career. Mm. You know what I mean? 
uh, you know, if that hadn't happened like that and we hadn't won any grand finals or anything, maybe I'd stay in league longer and you're, you're chasing that sort of, you know, but some stuff had been done there. It felt like it given good service to the Broncos. And I'd seen guys like John Kerwin and different guys come across the league, but they'd done it at the end of their career. And I wanted to go on my prime. I was going to, I was going to pursue this. I want to go at my best. And uh, so, yeah, at the end of that, three-year contract I talked about earlier was when I was 25 and um, I decided to head back and um, Wayne actually, I was looking to go back to the Otago where I come from, where my relations are, but uh, Steve Hansen um, met Wayne Bennett and come across and checked out the Broncos and Wayne said, why don't you have a chat to those guys? So he actually assisted me. Once they realised, they thought I was holding out. I said, I'm not holding out. I'm, uh, I'm going back. And going back to uh, seek this, you know, this is a personal uh, goal. Obviously, my father passing, mm. you know, um, no one in our family, no relations ever been an all black or anything. You know, you have these all blacks or their granddad wasn't, no, no, nothing. And to go back and achieve this dream. And um, so, yeah, so I went back. Uh, I talked to the Crusaders. I found them very professional. met Robbie Deans. They were co-coaching. Those two, Steve Hansen. Yeah, I went back and um, I did a, a year there and um, I played sevens to start with just to get a feel for the game. Um, it's funny, we, we won the grand final in 2000, uh, the Roosters, and um, we played in front of 94,000 people. And the stadium was ready for the Olympics, the 2000 Olympics. Mm. It was The season finished early because of that. So they gave me time to go over. They wanted me to get over straight away to start learning some rugby. I just want to have a break, you know. But, um, but yeah, 2,000 people. I, I did. I remember I did a, a tackle on um, Matt Singh and 94,000, you know, and we got to try whatever. And, um, and then two weeks later, I'm in New Zealand and uh, I've got this game. They've got like this game on a country versus city where they just put me in like a club rugby type go there's a there's a guy mowing the sidelines <laughs> with a with a mower not with a right on like a mower doing the sidelines so at least we knew where the lines were i go oh, i need to strap uh, my thumbs and that and they said oh we don't have a strapper but the other team does so i had to go into the other teams i'm there with the other team <laughs> Getting my thumb strapped by you know some young guy trying his best you know you know I'm used to like my Broncos guys you know guys that strap us and stuff and I go out and play rugby in front of um on this flat ground that could have just been a park you know like and there weren't that many people there and I had serious thoughts what the heck am I doing <laughs> you know? such 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 a contrast from two weeks ago two weeks ago yeah two weeks ago I was um top of my game, in my prime, um, you know, uh, playing in a, you know, a grand final, 94,000, you know. That's my biggest crowd. Uh, only matched when I played in so uh, uh, Soweto, Nelson Mandela Stadium against the Springboks. They had 94,000. That's the two biggest, you know, that's a big crowd, mm. you know. To then have that contrast, uh, you know, to, to you know, you definitely you think you're asking a few questions, aren't you? <laughs> you know? and uh, and then I go out there and battle away trying to learn a game I don't, you know, even though I've watched it and that, 
it's a completely different game. So you got league is this game where um, you know two components of the fence and the attack and obviously it's a kicking game, whatever, but rugby there's a simplicity to league which is great, you know, and um, there's obviously tactical and stuff to league, but um, um, there's a simplicity in comparison to rugby. Rugby's mm. like if you look at rugby union, it's uh, like if you go to the Olympics, it's, it's the decathlon. It's you know you know how you got high jump and you got the 400 meters and then they do the 100 meter sprint. Yeah. And, they do sport and then they do this. So rugby is exactly the same. It's like so the scrum you don't have that in league where you got 16 guys. It's like a max squat um, where you can't even breathe. You know, um, and there you're pushing that hard. Um, you know, you've got lineouts where guys throw you in the air, and you, you know, completely f- different skill set. You've got uh, kickoffs where um, you get fullbacks who'll catch a high ball, but kickoffs you get lifted by two guys, sort of like the lineout. Yeah, you, you get a, some guy puts up a big drop kick in the wind, yeah. in the wind, and that and you're trying to you've got to work out where the ball's going to be about five meters in the air, you know, um, and catch it not on your chest, with your hands above your head, you know. You've got the breakdown, which is all about body height. and um, It's like a mess, you know. For me, when I went there, it's like a mess. Um, um, I, over time, it'd be, you know, I could see who I'm trying to hit and what I'm trying to do, but initially, you know, um, you know obviously you got your carrying and your, your ball running and your tackling. That was fine. I could do that. Um, um, but, yeah, this, the rolling more completely different, nothing like in the league. So there's all these skills that I had to learn and basically a 15-year-old knew, knew more than I did and um, it was a pretty humbling time. I had to uh, had to do a lot of listening and learning and probably halfway through that year, I was like, I had three questions. Do I like rugby? Am I any good at it? Do I like living in New Zealand? All three, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um and I came back to Australia and my brother said, you know, because I, I, I went from like around $400,000 um, salary or something down to about 130 New Zealand, by mm. the way. It wasn't like Wendell and Lottie and those guys, you know, where they, you know, this big, I was like, you know, um, it, was a, it was a solid move to go back. You know, I just met my wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. She lives... Over and you know we didn't want to live together or anything. She she lived stayed here and she was teaching in Australia. I was there without her and that was tough and um, yeah the footy was frustrating and um, the answer to all those like I said questions were no and my brother said look if you're gonna be there and have these different things that are hard stuff just at least give it a, everything you got give it a, he sort of rallied rallied me you know and said. You're away from your girlfriend, you're getting paid less, you know, you're this, you're that, you know, you're living in a one-bedroom apartment, you're lonely, blah, blah, blah. Just give it everything you got and then walk away and just know, you know, mm. I have the crack. And so I went back, I, t- I took on that attitude and um, um, I played in the I-10 Cup, which is a lower, the New Zealand sort of competition. They moved me from number eight to lock and uh, I started to, Get a, started to get a feel for the game and uh, and did, could I play rugby? I think I, I can. Um, uh, am I any good at it? I think I can be all right at it. Uh, do I like living in New Zealand? 
yeah, I'm enjoying it more now, getting to know people and stuff. And that's and then it flowed on from there. Because you played rugby for a few years, but then you came back to the Broncos for a few years between 05 and 07 before then going back to Rugby Union and then obviously that, that World Cup in 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I played there um, and I went to a World Cup, made the All Blacks, which was like a 25-year dream or something. Um, oh, sorry, by that age, it was about a 20-year dream to be an All Black. Um, it was a pretty emotional one for me and uh, to go to a World Cup. Uh, but yeah, I came to the end of sort of my contract and uh, I didn't get selected by Graham Henry and uh, uh, his coaches, Wayne Smith and Steve Hansen for the All Blacks. They changed it up. They're the guys eight years later that I won a World Cup with, by the way, but they didn't select me. <laughs> I found hard because... I thought I played well in the black jersey. I played 12 tests. And uh, um, and deep down, I sort of still love my league. You know? And I thought, I've gone back. I've done that, achieved that goal. I went back, I represent the All Blacks. And um, you know, it's been done. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to play with my mates and try and win a title and whatever. So, yeah, I went back in 05. Had three years with the Broncos. The second year, we got to win that title, which was really cool. Got to play Origin again in, in the first year. and Yeah, I thought I was going to end up uh, you know, over in England somewhere, you know, playing a couple of years out in England in the league because, you know, I'd been done. And for some reason, uh, I'd never been injured and I'd, I got to achieve some things and that. But I was getting no sort of uh, traction mm. over from the first sides, which frustrated me. And... Um, I guess they, maybe they thought I was old. I was 32 years old. but uh, So I thought, well, I've got this other trade, sort of like a chippy. You know, guy's a chippy, but he's also a sparky. Yeah. You know, I'm a league player, but I'm actually also a rugby guy. So I thought, well, I might uh, go rugby to Europe. But what I'll do is I'll go back to New Zealand where I feel comfortable with the guys there, the Crusader, you know, and try and uh, win a title. I hadn't won a super rugby title yet. And then, um, and then, then I'll go to Europe, but it'll be in rugby. Mm. So, so yeah, I went back, and um, we won our title, the Crusaders, which was, was good. Um, and but yeah, within three weeks of being back there, I'd heard from the you know my manager had heard from the All Black uh, sort of New Zealand rugby saying they want to sign me long term. So I had uh, four years uh, back with the Crusaders and the All Blacks and. And, yeah, we got to be part of that World Cup, and it was pretty special. Um, the funny thing about being three years away in league, I felt like my game almost improved uh, when I went back to rugby, um, which was because they're such different games. You know, everyone says, oh, they're getting more similar. No, they're way different games. So, but, um, yeah, it was cool. And obviously then post that, and, and you talked about um, playing – overseas as well like uh, for rugby you, you played in Japan and obviously England as well I suppose with that and by this time I'm, I'm assuming you're married with your, some of your kids as well I suppose more with your faith how does that go moving to those different places and I suppose keeping your faith strong and even then having to with moving around connecting into say and establishing yourself through local churches too how, how did that yeah. go yeah, well, it's, you know, I've never forgotten, like like I said, when we came to New Zealand, 
really involved in the church, you know, faith, you know, it was a big thing in our family. And I never forgot, you know, when we came to Australia, it just boom, mm. you know, it stopped. And uh, so I always made big efforts wherever we went, you know, if we couldn't get to a church. In Japan, it's, it's like one, it's a, one of the lowest levels of Christianity in the world, mm. Japan. Um, so we'd watch weekly, um, you know, you just zoom in, you know, the, our church minister service. You know, all the stuff you have in this day and age, it's so good. You know, you, um, you know you're saying prayers with the kids at night or you know, just always having that uh, faith. Um, important for the family. So, But, yeah, we went uh, in Japan. It was hilarious. Um, we were trying to find a church, and there's a house church, and the uh, the pastor's name was, the minister's name was Julius Caesar. <laughs> It's just crazy, right? And we go, me and my wife, we're not going there. There's going to be some loopy, crazy thing. About six months go by, we're watching um, Zoom, you know, we're doing stuff with our kids and that, you know, around our faith and that. And uh, and then we heard someone say, oh, he's that, that guy there, uh, he's an all right guy. We went, oh, okay. So we gave it a crack. We turned up to this house in Japan, and the guy's name is Julius Caesar. I can tell you he's the greatest guy. <laughs> I still pray for him, um, you know, to this day. Um, and he's he's uh, he's from uh, Philippines. Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes uh, in those countries they'll use a name, um, like an English name. Um, they have their name. Yeah. That's Filipino name, but they'll use – take on a name that's, you know um, – and he, yeah, for some reason he took on Julius, <laughs> which is crazy, right? But yeah, a house church, and it just reminded me of the early church, what it must have been like, you know, not a big building church, just went at his house and he played the guitar. He's a one-man band, um, sung, played his guitar. Uh, there was about, you know, three, four families that were there. We were one of them. Um, and uh, he'd give a sermon. And then everyone would eat at his house. It was just magnificent. Uh, wonderful guy. He used to do stuff for, uh, he used to do stuff for um, orphanages in the Philippines. And these people in your life encourage you. They're just so special, aren't they? You know, so in Japan, um, I remember thinking, you know, because in New Zealand, with my faith, like I did these things where I go to a rugby club or I go to a pub. I coach. I go to a country town. I coach their team, and then I go back to a pub, and um, it was like outreach. Mm. Me and this this, this uh, guy who worked in Christian uh, university, Christian, uh, faith stuff there. Um, you know, I just looked at the Jesus, looked at the apostles. They go out. You don't. You know, wait for them to come to you. So, yeah. And with my profile, my footy. Yeah, I went out and um, I talk about my faith. I talk about footy, but also talk about my faith. Uh, yeah, but I didn't ambush anyone. It was up front. I'm going to talk around, um, you know, my footy and stuff, but also my faith. And and then the guy with me would give a little five minute chat. And they were just awesome. Uh, where you know, they were for men, they felt comfortable. It was on a weeknight, um, and uh, they were so cool to be part of. I did quite a few of those, and. Um, they re- I felt really driven around those, really stirred up around like, doing those. And um, I did that in England. I did it. Um, I've done some of those in Australia. But uh, when I was in Japan, I'm like, 
I want to, because I gave Bibles to the guys at the Broncos when I left. I gave every player, like I left them in the locker. and um, I did the same thing at Japan, but I said I want to get Bibles for uh, our Japanese people. And they say, well, they'll say thank you. Japanese people will say thank you for your Bible. And then uh, they'll be polite, but then they'll probably get used as a, like a doorstop. I said, oh, you know, they'll use it because they don't really read books like we do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they like manga. Uh, do you know that style that they like? It's sort of like cartoony. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's how they like to, to read. So there's actually a Bible um, that is like that. You know, you know those cool Japanese cartoons? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's actually a Bible. So I said, get me those. I'm going to buy, buy 100 of them. And I gave them all to my teammates and my coaches. And, um, um, and they, were a chance, they were a chance of reading them. But also I took them around with me. And if I went to uh, – this is sort of at the back end of Japan, you know, but if I was on a bus, I'd just leave that Bible there. It's in God's hands now. Yeah. You know, um, um, you know I just had little things like that because in Japan there's not much Christianity there. Mm. So reach them. You know, and um, you can't have the language gap or whatever. But yeah, and then we went to Ireland and England, and you're part of churches there. And um, yeah, it's just so good to have people of faith all around the world, you know, encouraging each other. We'll wrap things up shortly, Brad. And again, thanks so much for your time. Just very quickly as we wrap things up, obviously, then post your your playing career, you've moved into to coaching. And we know uh, here in 2023 was your last year as the Queensland Reds coach. Can you share a bit about, I suppose, uh, your time as, as coach, but then what do you think uh, is in, in store for you next? Yeah, well, that's that's an easy one, the, the last question, because that's in God's hands, yeah. you know. You know, uh, we'll see, you know, but sometimes I think, what does someone like me do? What do we do? Because <laughs> um, I've been signed since I was 17. It's been 30 years, bam. Yeah. 30 years, and uh, and it's time for a little bit of a break, you know, and um, being in professional sport, everything on the line, you know, because um, I had 22 years as a pro, uh, 21 years, 22 years. And I've had eight years at the um, the Reds, six years as head coach, and, you know, I'm like a – I wouldn't make a good gambler. I'm all cards in, you know, like I give it, you know, I'm, I'm, try and give more than what's asked of me. And, but, yeah, um, so um, we'll, we'll see what I'm going to do. Um, um, yeah, like I said, it's, I'll be asking um, the Lord what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, with my coaching, um, I came back from every football player sort of has this thought about when they finish, what are you going to do? And the smart ones have trades and uni degrees and stuff like that. And, um, um, but yeah, that with uh, with the Reds, I was thinking about maybe playing a season there, and because Brisbane's my home, coming back here, and uh, that wasn't able to happen. They already had their foreign spots uh, covered because I was playing New Zealand, mm. representing So I went over to England, but. Uh, Guy Sam Cornley was the uh, general manager saying, you know, we've got a role as a um, young uh, Ford's coach, coaching the, the academy. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I did. 
Um, I finished uh, as a 40-year-old at Leicester. Um, I came back, brought the family back, and I started working at the Reds. And we had a big success there. Um, and uh, there was a co- competition called the NRC, sort of in between club rugby and super rugby. And uh, I coached that, and um, we had some good success. And the club was really battling, and um, it was like nine million debt. And, um, you know, they were playing three games a year and four games, whatever. And um, they, for some reason, they reached out to me and said, would you be interested? Would you have a go? Would you have a crack? And uh, at the time, a lot of Australian sides uh, were battling. Mm. They hadn't won a Super rugby teams hadn't won a game in like 25 games or something against the Kiwis or something. And I just thought, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm an ex-player. Um, I'm not a career coach, but uh, I'm, I'm connected with these young guys and um, I'm up for a challenge and I'll have a crack or, or I need to move on because, you know, it's sort of not a good place there. And so, yeah, I had a crack and uh, turned out being six years and, um uh, and yeah, it's it's been a solid uh, yeah it's it's been a solid uh, challenge, and there's yeah, highs and lows. You know, it's a emotional game. The coaching head coaching role, it's all on you. And I guess I had a profile, so my name got thrown out there quite a bit. You know, and uh, I had to make some hard decisions early on. You know, around. Um, you know, moving some guys on for different reasons, uh, if you know that or not. But, um, and, yeah, but I, I just poured my heart in and um, my my key sort of philosophy or word was around care. Care is uh, the word that I use, but it's actually really love. Mm. But blokes feel more comfortable <laughs> with care. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's two things. I think about my Lord and Saviour, you know, um, had that gentleman ask Jesus, you know, what, do you, what, what's, what do I need more in my faith? Or there's a, he says something along the lines, and Jesus said, to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. And then secondly, to, that, to love your fellow man. You know, um, I, think is, um, I think that's pretty much roughly, am I right? Yeah. Around Jesus. And so yeah, so so that's my faith, you know. Um, you know, two things that when I pray is you know to love you, Lord, with all everything I have, and to love my fellow man. So to me, that's such a foundation to to put down, you know. Uh, so that's how I the word was care, and I so I had that side of it. The second other side was when I played for teams. Um, I love my mates and the team. The biggest thing for footy for me was camaraderie. When I was a shy kid when I was young, when I played, I played for my mates and I didn't have to talk or be cool. I was except yeah, I was there with the guys and there was a this strong bond, you know. So for me I loved my mates. I loved the cause. I loved trying to achieve things, working hard together, trying to I love winning titles, you know, that's good fun. And then lastly, you know, I love who I represent. Represent Queensland. Queensland meant a lot to me. So that was uh, uh, that was my coaching theme. I felt like the guys, you know, bought into it really well. And key thing was that I actioned it. I was there to serve the team, not lord over it. Then get my own house in order. 
um, get my own house in order, and then through my actions, all, all my staff, my players will respect my words and that I genuinely do care about them, what we're trying to achieve, who we represent. And yeah, we got interest. Yeah, we got different results along the, the way. And, um, um, and now it's, as you said, it's done and uh, time to have a bit of a break. Well, uh, well, Brad, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much uh, for, for sharing um, about both your faith, your family, and obviously your sporting and coaching career. And uh, as you said, you're having that break, and we pray that uh, you enjoy your break, and uh, we pray for you as to where the Lord takes you into the future with, uh, with whatever he's got planned for you. So thanks again for your time today. Appreciate that, mate. Thanks for your time.